0: Hello and welcome to today's podcast, a course of cultural complexities where me and my group Arthurstown will delve deep into the characteristics and intricacies of many different musical societies across the globe. More specifically in this episode, how globalization, cultural influences, and events in colonial history have had an effect on certain groups of music and their overall sound. I'm your host, Laura Chirpiti, and this is the fourth and final installment of our Diverse Worlds of Music podcast, brought to you also by Josh, Luke, Chris, Austin, and James.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Austin Arthur's Morning Show. My name of course is Austin and as always I'll be sharing some amazing content with you today. And and if you enjoy it or you're just super intrigued by me and who I am, please subscribe to my page to get notified for segments of of the podcast in the future. Okay, now the introductions are over, let's get into what we're going to be talking about today today we will be talking about rock music in China. Yeah, super cool stuff. Um, but actually before we get into that, I just want to give a little birthday shout out, um, to Michael Whitten. Hope you have a great day today, man. Family, uh, sent me, um, a little message and wanted me to give you a little shout out. So have a great day, man. Hope it's a good one. Um, all right. So rock music in China. Well, This eventually came about after the Cultural Revolution in China. Um, And basically, after the Cultural Revolution, China kind of opened their economy, kind of was um, communist, but at the same time capitalistic. Um, So a lot of things kind of sprouted from that. And essentially, China gained some international influence in their country. And this is kind of how rock music appeared. Now, it wasn't, the only type of music that appeared wasn't just rock music. There were many other types of, and styles of music that came to China, but the most controversial one would be rock music. And the reason rock music was super controversial and still is today, is because it is very looked down upon by the Chinese government. Um, so if you know anything about China, You know that um, the government there doesn't really like it when people in their country um, speak about political issues or cultural issues going on. Um, They really do not appreciate that at all. Um, So whenever that happens, they go against it and try to make it go away. Um, And, that is essentially kind of what they did and are still doing to rock music, um, because rock music really—it's very emotional and passionate, and it talks about sometimes it talks about issues going on in society. Um, so because of this, rock music in China kind of had to go underground. Um, you know, had had to have like private concerts and um is very limited in um, what you, you what you could listen to um which is super sad um but uh we actually um someone asked us on Twitter they asked us in a tweet they said so since rock music in China is so you know private um where where can you go to see a rock concert in China and uh that's a really good question um and I don't Honestly, I don't really have a definite answer for you. Um, they're super hard to find because rock music is underground. Um, and they aren't really adver- advertised um, anywhere. So you have to kind of get connected to it through people um, at the end of the day. and Which is really sad, um, but that's just the way it is. And Oh wait, hold on, we have another question from our website uh Jimmy asked how many bands existed back then or how many exist today rock bands well um there were there were quite a few rock bands at first that existed um but sadly because of what happened um with them going underground and losing popularity um there are only about 10 bands in existence today um in China So a really, really small amount actually still exist. But yeah, so looking back at what we talked about today, um, rock music in China kind of of boomed at first, but then slowly and slowly is diminishing, which um, is super sad for the Chinese people because rock music is a super unique form of music and expression. Um, So hopefully, you know, someday that will change, but right now it's kind of going away. Um, but if you enjoyed, you know, what we talked about today or, um, want to learn more, um, please subscribe to my page, um, online and, uh, get notified for when podcasts happen in the future. Thanks. Bye.
0: Moving on to our second segment of the show, Sounds of the Americas, with my weekly edition of Instrumental Inquiry segment, I will be focusing on the qualities and concepts involved in North American music along with African American influences and contributions. In Canada and the United States, Indigenous residents compromise a statistical minority, whereas the great majority of the inhabitants are immigrants and descendants of immigrants, or descendants of slaves who were forcibly taken from their lands of origin. This ethnically diverse population is, moreover, continually being supplemented by new arrivals. Accordingly, much of the music and dance that people regard as their own has origins in other lands, or emerged because pre-existing practices were creatively fused and exchanged by the new inhabitants of North America. Some other aspects unique to North American music include the prioritization of capitalism and its impact on the production of music. Specifically, it is thought of as more of a commodity than an art form. Additionally, certain practices are subject to cross-cultural appropriation and musicians borrow practices and instruments, but hybridized styles still remain closely associated with certain groups. In other words, North America can be characterized as a melting pot of sound. More specifically, within North American music, African Americans have had major influences on the types of genres that flourished and came to rise. For example, rap, jazz, ragtime, gospel, blues, and many more. While black music has made Significant contribution in other parts of the world. African Americans, despite being demographically in the minority in the United States and subject for centuries to slavery and later to legalized forms of discrimination, have played a central role in shaping the country's traditional, popular, and art musics. Millions of Africans were forcibly taken across the Atlantic Ocean to the Americas during the centuries in which the slave trade was legal. With them, they brought a number of musical practices and technologies that survived despite the crushing circumstances of slavery. With some background and some of these styles in mind, let's move on to our instrumental inquiry section. This user asks, does music influenced by African Americans in North America have roots and similarities to that of sub-Saharan Africa as discussed in the previous podcasts? That's a really great question. Let's take a listen to a popular African American artist Aretha Franklin and her hit song Respect. (laughs) Respect. i With empowering lyrics that call for action amongst racial discrimination in the midst of the civil rights era, this song exhibits many aspects of truly African music, such as from Sub-Saharan Africa as asked. For example, cyclical forms, interlocking parts, dense timbres, call-and-response elements, and a clear beat can all be seen in this piece. Even as African-American music makes use of a wide variety of structures of European origin, they have transformed these to bring them into line with an African-American aesthetic. These have, in turn, been incorporated in North American music more generally. African Americans have made major contributions to North American music and have progressed very far in terms of success and popularity within Black artists.
2: Hi everyone, this is Luke Thorne, and today we're going to be talking about uh, mezistaje. So what is mezistaje? So mezistaje is... is Uh, a Spanish word for mixture. It refers to a kind of sort of mixed culture in South and Central America, as well as the North American country of Mexico. It uh, represents a sort of mixture between um, African, European, in particular Spanish-European, and uh, indigenous Amerindian customs. And of course, because this is a music class, we're going to be talking about it in terms of music. So there's a couple different different mezistaje, mezistaje genres. One of the biggest one is mariachi. Uh, mariachi is from Mexico, in particular the state of Jalisco, which is a uh, very rural state that borders the Pacific Ocean in Mexico, sort of on the Western side. The mariachi is a, uh, its song form is started from Amerindian practice and it used to have more Amerindian music instruments in its music. But as time went on, many of these instruments were replaced with Western instruments. A modern mariachi like ensemble usually consists of a couple trumpets, some violins, a guitar, a guitaron, which is like a really big bass guitar, and a vihuela, which is a uh, another type of stringed guitar-like instrument. A uh, similar genre of this mezistaje music is huayno. So, Waino is popular in Peru and a lot of the uh, Andes region, like parts of Bolivia, parts of Ecuador, places like that. Um, Waino has a lot of influence from uh, Amerindian music. In particular, it has a lot of influence from Aymara music. A lot of the influence comes in in some of the instrumentation. Uh, Indigenous style of flutes are usually used in Waino music. Um... Certain types of Indian harps, and as well as the singing style, which is very high-pitched and tense, which is very common in traditional Aymara music. Uh, of course, not this isn't the only instrumentation that's in there, though. So. Guitars, mandolins, accordions, drums, things like that. Those have also made it into wino music, even from those instruments are from, you know, uh, European cultures, but they made it into this genre as well. Uh, the song structure of Waino is usually very European-inspired. Uh, to continue, we're going to be talking about uh, the Vallenato genre. So Vallenato is a genre of music that began in La- the La Costa region of uh, Colombia. So uh, uh, this genre began in coastal region. It's not just an influence of European and Native American Influences in music, but it also contains a lot of influence from African music as well as Caribbean music. Um, so it's became very popular in the 1990s. But to begin with, uh, vallenato started in the 1940s uh, in in rural Colombia. Uh, when it began, it was usually uh, usually consist of ensembles consisting of a guitar, a player of a, a gaita, indigenous flute a bamboo scraper, called a an guachara, and a caja, which is a kind of drum. These, this ensemble consisted for a while, but um, eventually a uh, accordion was included in the music. Uh, as time went on, such as in the 80s and 90s, uh, this instrumentation changed, usually bringing an electric guitar instead of just a million acoustic. Uh, it took a while for electric guitars to be invented. Uh, also were brought in was a drum kit, replacing the caja, and as well as some other sorts of electric instruments. Uh, the, uh, as time went on, music such as rock, funk, and R&B sort of started to influence Vianato instead of merely just being uh, African and Afro-Caribbean influenced. Um, the genre, the genre, there's a couple different, as part of the genre, there's a couple different types of song structures in it. There's a type of it called the son, the paseo, and the merengue, and the puya. These are, these are all different types. They usually have very complicated rhythms as part of it. Um, the son is a, really short, is a really short one. The paseo is sort of romantic genre. Uh, The puya is sort of for fast improvisation. It usually consists of very fast music and lots of improv limits for displaying virtuosity. And the merengue is just a uh, sort of a type with triple meter. Uh, These three genres were, these three, these four types of song structures were very popular in Colombia and spread to a lot of Latin America to the point where they got their own Grammy category in 1996.
3: Alright, hello, my name is James Bassett, and I will be talking to you guys about uh, Caribbean music and their different influences. This topic came to us from a uh, user calling uh, by the name of Ryan Atkins. He asked us, uh, what are the different musical influences of Caribbean music? He says that he knows that Caribbean music, of all music, has a lot of uh, different influences because a lot of people travel there bringing over their different traditions to cultures and then combining them to create the culture of Caribbean music. So, let's get started. There are two main elements of uh Caribbean music and that's European influences and African influences. We can talk about European influences first. Um those are so the instruments of those, we have the strings, wind, brass, kind of the basics there and then pianos and accordions um for their verse forms of the music they use copla and décima and um for their dance forms there's uh the waltz mazurka and quadrille those are some of the more popular ones and then also with the european um we have the eastern indian influences so not as popular and also the principal native american influences um those both aren't as as popular, but they did bring over different instruments and dance forms that we don't see anywhere else. So talking about African influences, the instruments they brought over were lamellophones, which is um, kind of an unpopular or a very unique instrument. I would say it's a uh, the lamellophone comes from the word Latin word lamella, which means small metal plate, and that's exactly what it is. It's a small. Uh, metal plate kind of the size of a tablet with different series of thin metal plates um, on the end of it and they're only they're fixed at one end and loose on the other and that's how you play the instrument you kind of you uh, tap them together so that's a little melophone which came from africa and then they also have uh, drums shakers and scrapers um, along with the dances they have rumba and ballet, and the rhythmic concepts that came from african-american uh, music are timelines and clave And they also use 3 plus 3 plus 2 patterns in their music. So moving on with that, we have the different overall themes in Caribbean music. So this is when you combine, you know, the African music, the European music, the Eastern Indian music. Um, There are four main themes in Caribbean music. It's the patterns of musical reception. Um, A pattern of musical reception is calypso, which is uh, kind of the most popular. It came from an Afro-Trinidadian genre of popular music. So that's that. Um another theme in Caribbean music is their question of identity, kind of who are who they are, uh where they come from, obviously because with all those influences, a lot of people are coming from different countries and coming together to kind of create their own culture and tradition. Um another theme is class and cultural politics, which you can see um across a lot of different types of music across the world, just talking about um their different cultures and then kind of with the class and cultural politics aspect of it, some people kind of use music to spring like a rebellion or kind of make a cultural change or a political change in the country. And then lastly, we have tourism and travel for a theme in Caribbean music. So that is all I have. Uh, thank you very much.
4: Carbon in the section Sounds of America in our podcast I'm going to be covering African influences on Latin America so, as Laura covered the reach and influence of African aesthetics in North America I will be covering its influence on Latin America the influence first started uh, from slave training, slave training, and transportation to Latin America. There were over four million slaves brought to the Marimba. The marimba is the first main instrument seen all over Latin America, derived from African music. It is a symbol of heritage in many places like Ecuador, Colombia, and Costa Rica. This instrument has been intertwined with a community of dance, most prevalent in Ecuador and Colombia. This community practice slash dance includes entire communities with lots of marimbas, conical drums in different sizes, and bamboo shakers. This practice creates a lot of energy and movement with lots of dancers and spreads community happiness and joy. It's a prime example of culture and ethnicity transcending stereotypes over history spreading to new communities everywhere. Practice is very similar to African music with lots of drumming and dancing. A direct influence intertwined with the New Latin American cultures. Another African influence on in Latin America is the celebration of candombe. The practice includes masking traditions, parading, dancing, and drumming. The entire group of performers is called a comparsa, and the drummers is called lamadas. They are the real backbone of the celebration. There are many different sized drums, some for just some simple rhythms, and others for very fast and fun patterns. All the drums are played by a stick in hand, very raw in the historic method. This practice, like African drumming and music, has lots of rhythmic density, community participation, and dancing traditions. So, through the three highlighted practices, all throughout latin america you can clearly see the major african influence has had on music culture there in many other parts around the world
5: uh, hello everyone i'm chris today i will talk about the charles culture of east asia i think the difference be- uh, from the west is that east asia really appears in the current music channel in the form of a but more in the form of a tea. I know more about East Asian music culture in China and the South Korean and Japan. Next, I will talk about different Charles cultures of each country. The first I want to talk about is the Korean Charles culture. Around 2010, Korean groups become popular in China. At the same time, many Chinese students in South Korea were recruited as trains. Uh, the trains are the equivalent to the team's preparatory, uh, preparatory staff. Until 2012. When Uncle Boy's Style became popular around the world, whereas, whereas South Korean boy and the girls groups began to become international. Among them, the men's team represents EXO, and uh, the women's team represents a uh, girl's generation. The number of people in each group is about 5 to 10, Maybe many of uh, their works become popular at times, such as "Row" and "Row" and uh, "Monster." But after uh, being organized, many of their experience as teens were also exposed during time. Uh, they must. Uh, i practice dancing for more than 10 hours a day and be family with all the lyrics. Because the Korean combination songs and dance emphasize that the repaired changes in dance can keep up with the rising of the song, so they may have to practice a variety of changes for song in a day. Uh, so that they can make no mistakes in future performance because of uh, when an artist makes a mistake, the entire group may be harmed This is also the secret behind their successful background. Uh, until now many current combinations have gone to the world and are known to more known to more people such as Blackpink, Big Bang, BTS and many have also occupied the billboard list in the United States. Second I want to discuss is the Japanese charts culture. Unlike the current combination, Japan is more of a team to perform charts, more AKB48 can be said to be the representative of the Japanese woman's team. AKB48 was founded in 2005. At the time, many people didn't know much about girls' group and didn't have many advanced photograph equipment so they could only appear occasionally on maybe TV. But in uh, 2012, they increased the number of teams and uh, adjusted the design of each person's costume and song. After shooting the first uh, MV, MV, they began to be popular in Japan. The style of AKB48 is lead dancing and the consumers with fast-paced fast, p- fast paced songs. This style allows busy Japanese people to watch their movies and feel relaxed after tying work. Although the popularity of AKB48 in the world has not been as popular as the Korean groups uh, but they can be said to be the beginning of the East Asian girl group. The last I want to discuss is the Chinese chorus culture. In the development of Chinese music, many famous singers have influenced the development of Chinese music, such as J. Chou. Many of his songs are popular until today. But how about to- 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 singing combinations? In my in my recognize, the first child's group uh, that become popular because this so popular was TF Boys. Entitling, um, this group was composed of three 50-year-old boys. They used the uh, knee dance steps and the uh, brisk dance uh, and songs. Rhythm brings new elements to the Chinese music. And at the same time, in the piece, they are usually weaker in music. Then the SNH14A uh, girl groups began to enter the uh, people's field of vision. The, the girl group is very similar is sim- similar to AKV48. It gives Chinese girls a new display uh, platform. And it can be said that these two groups are the pioneers of the combination model in recent years. Since 2016, China has created many variety shows to give birth to many men and uh, many boys and uh, girls groups. And uh, the combination of singing and dancing has reached a peak in China. Thanks for watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>
0: Well, I hope everyone learned something and heard something new today. It's been a pleasure these past four installments, and thank you so much for listening.